Welcome to River City 360. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Zirk. On today's show, we have our first Vital Signs report for the month of December, and this month's theme is wellness. We'll be speaking with Mary Williams, the Executive Director of the Anxiety Disorders Association of Manitoba, or ADAM, to find out how they help Manitobans coping with anxiety disorders. We'll also be sitting down with Rick Frost, the CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation, to talk about the results of the Endow Manitoba 24-Hour Giving Challenge that community foundations across Manitoba recently participated in. Then, a very special milestone was celebrated this past Friday. It's our broadcast partner, CJNU's 10th anniversary. We'll speak with Bill Stewart, the outgoing general manager and friend of the show, to learn more about the little station that could and did. And finally, Noah Ehrenberg joins us in studio to talk about this week in citizen journalism through the lens of Community News Commons. We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Good morning and welcome to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you this morning. We hope you're having a wonderful Sunday. It is now December. We've got a fantastic show uh, for you this week and hopefully all month long. We're going to have, we're going to be talking wellness because that is our monthly, uh, that's our topic from the Vital Signs report that is coming out next year. Absolutely. All areas of wellness as well. Um, We're talking with Mary Williams of the Anxiety Disorders Association of Manitoba today, which is more of a focus on mental wellness. And we'll also have some stories on physical wellness as well uh, coming up later on throughout the month. So be sure to stay tuned for that. That's the plan. But uh, before we get into the meat of the program, let's start off with a song. Well, Nolan, seeing as how it is CJNU's 10th anniversary this past Friday... Um, what better song to go with than Candy and Cake? That's how you celebrate, right? Absolutely. Good call. All right. Mindy Carson, Candy and Cake right here on RC360. He's as sweet a treat as eating candy and cake Sugar and spice, oh, everything nice And kissing them once ain't near as sweet as kissing them twice I can be smart, I can be wise but oh, when he rolls his roly-poly jelly bean eyes, I shiver and shake. My heart would just break if some other love should rob me of my candy and cake. Candy and cake. 
Throughout the next year on River City 360, we'll be bringing you stories connected to the themes of Winnipeg's Vital Signs 2017, a program led by the Winnipeg Foundation that measures the vitality of our community through research and surveys. For more information, visit wpgfdn.org slash vital signs. Good morning and welcome to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you this morning and we are now joined by Mary Williams. She's the Executive Director of the Anxiety Disorders Association of Manitoba or ADAM. Mary, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you very much for inviting me. So we wanted to talk to you as for the month of December, we're focusing on wellness. Tell us a little bit about the Anxiety Disorders Association of Manitoba and what it does, what programs it offers. The Anxiety Disorders Association Manitoba, or ADAM, as we're known, is a registered charity. It's a community-based program, and it is structured on a peer-based approach, which means that if someone contacts us, the individuals who they will be meeting or speaking with all have personal lived experience with anxiety. So the people who work there and the people who volunteer with Adam are people who understand firsthand what it's like to be in the throes of a panic attack, what it's like to be terrified to leave your house, or what it's like to be afraid to talk to anybody or to look at anybody because they've all lived that and they're all in recovery. So one of the very reassuring aspects to people who contact us and the comforting aspects is that we really know what people are going through. That can make a big difference to people who are in the midst of struggling with various forms of anxiety. Just knowing that you're not alone when you feel those feelings that Absolutely. don't feel right. One of the things that still exists is that people think that there's something wrong with them, that they're strange or weird, that they're alone, nobody understands what they're going through. And in fact, anxiety is the most common mental health issue in Canada. And one in four Canadians will have an anxiety disorder at some point in their lifetime. And in any given year, 12% of the Canadian population has an anxiety disorder. It's very common. It's also very treatable. And people, I think, find that once they connect with our organization and with other people who have experience with anxiety, that that whole sense of isolation and that there's something wrong with me is significantly lessened. This is something that happens to a lot of people. And anxiety isn't limited to any age. It manifests itself in different ways. So it really doesn't matter how well-educated you are, how much you earn, where you live. Anxiety certainly impacts every strata of society. You can feel anxious about a big event that's happening in your life, but at what point does a regular feeling of anxiety become an anxiety disorder? I'm glad you raised that because anxiety is actually part of our human makeup. We are hardwired, really, with a mechanism for anxiety, and anxiety is normal. Anxiety helps us 
if we are facing a dangerous situation, for example, because there's a part of our brain that gives us the signal to fight, flight, or run away, or freeze. And it's kind of an ancient part of our brain. And so if we're walking in the forest and we encounter a tiger, then that part of our brain is going to tell us we either fight, flight, or freeze. So in my case, I would be running really, really fast. Anxiety is normal. When it becomes an obstacle to people living their normal everyday lives, when they are not able to do what they typically would normally do or want to do, for example, go to work, go to school, visit with friends, go shopping, sleep, eat, when it interferes with our normal everyday activity and it keeps us from doing those kinds of things, then it becomes a problem. Then it might be an anxiety disorder. What are some of the things that can cause anxiety disorders? Well, there's quite a lot of research into what causes anxiety disorders. There are a lot of different elements that may contribute to the development of an anxiety disorder. Some of those include a genetic predisposition to anxiety. If somebody in your family has an anxiety disorder, there's a higher likelihood that you may develop an anxiety disorder. It sometimes tends to run in families. A long period of sustained stress, traumatic experiences and losses, and sometimes physiological changes that occur as people age, for example. So there is a whole range of different kinds of circumstances and situations that can contribute to the development of a variety of different anxiety disorders. For people who are coping with anxiety, and this sounds like something that they've been trying to cope with for some time, what do those people need to know if they sense that they're feeling an anxiety that's really impacting their day-to-day life? They need to know that there's very effective help, that they do not need to be trying to cope with this alone and that there are resources available to help them. There is evidence-based work. There are techniques that are evidence-based and proven to be effective to help counter the symptoms of anxiety and to help teach people how to manage their anxiety so that they are able to get their anxiety under control and re-engage in whatever activities that they want to do. So the important thing is people need to know anxiety is something that is common, but it's highly treatable. So people should reach out for some help. Some people start by going to their doctor and talking to their doctor. We get quite a few people phoning us or contacting us who have said that my doctor told me to call you or my social worker or somebody told me to call you for some help. And so certainly we are there to help people with anxiety with proven techniques and programs and services that help with anxiety. There are also crisis lines that people can call if they're they're in crisis and those include clinic. There are some listed on our others that are listed on our website for children and youth. There's the child and youth intake number, central centralized intake number. There are some good websites 
that people can look at to get some basic information and also some self-help toolkits. There's some good basic information on our website, which is adam.mb.ca. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back with Mary Williams, the Executive Director of the Anxiety Disorders Association of Manitoba, after this. Mary, is there a song that you'd like to hear? I would love to hear some kind of lullaby. All right, so let's play Freddie Martin and his orchestra, Lullaby, right here on River City 360. We're back on River City 360 with Mary Williams, the Executive Director of the Anxiety Disorders Association of Manitoba. A 
I think one of the important things about Adam's programming is that with it being a very peer-based program, as you mentioned before, that sense that you're not alone, that you can get through this, and there are other people here who have experienced the same thing. And as, as much as it seems like it may not be something that you can overcome, you can overcome it, and these people are proof that you can get through it. Absolutely. That is so important because people who are in the throes, for example, of experiencing panic attacks and feel all of the distress that can accompany a panic attack feel that their life is just out of control and that they don't want to feel this way anymore because panic attacks feel awful. It feels like you're maybe going to have a heart attack or Maybe you're going to go crazy or you're going to fall down and faint in the middle of the store or something horrible is going to happen. And it's an awful way to live each day. And part of that would be the fear of having a panic attack. The panic attack itself is very distressing, but people tend to develop a fear of having a panic attack. And so there's anticipatory anxiety as well. So that anxiety is there all the time. And that can contribute to the development of depression. Anxiety and depression are often related and they often go together. So yes, the important thing is that people need to know that even though they feel terrible, there's all kinds of symptoms that go with anxiety that are not limited to panic. They might have social anxiety and they may experience some of those things. That is not the way that you have to feel indefinitely. We can help. You can certainly learn how to manage and come out on the other side into recovery. And it's like coming out into the sunshine from the dark. So we help people to learn, instead of catastrophic thinking, realistic thinking. We have a whole program that is it's based on the same program that is available through the Anxiety Disorders Clinic at the St. Boniface Hospital. But the difference with our program is that it is peer-led by trained peer facilitators. And there isn't a long waiting list. People can access it fairly readily. And it's in the community. So we're at number four Fort Street in Fort Gary Place. And it's a nice, warm, welcoming friendly, safe environment for people. So there's there's some differences between what we do and what's available in a clinical setting. But the content is pretty well the same. And the next information session, if anyone is interested in checking that out, that one's happening on Tuesday, December 6th at that's 7 right. p.m. Yeah. And that's at your Fort Street office. Yes. People don't need to register. They can just attend. There is no fee. They can bring a friend or a family member. And it, it provides an overview in a little more depth about anxiety and anxiety disorders and a little more depth about our particular and specific programs and services. Excellent. And there's also a pancake breakfast coming up this Saturday at 8 a.m. And that's at the Dawson Trail Clubhouse. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a delightful thing. There is a group of senior citizens who organize these breakfasts on a regular basis. And all of the proceeds are donated to a charity. In this particular case, they're donating the proceeds of the breakfast 
to Adam. The charge for the breakfast is $5, and all of the food is donated by the volunteers and by some companies in the community, and they serve a, a lovely pancake breakfast. And what's so delightful about it is that the people who are preparing and serving are all seniors, and I think the eldest server is an 89-year-old man who just loves doing this. So it's it's just a delightful and very welcome event that we are really pleased and excited about. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. So again, if you're interested in that, uh, that is taking place this Saturday, 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. at the Dawson Trail Clubhouse, 15 Levesque Street. And if you're interested in learning more about Adam, you can visit the website at adam.mb.ca or visit the next information session. The next one is happening December 6th. That's this Tuesday at 7 p.m. And that's at the 4 Fort Street office. Mary, thank you so much again for joining us this morning. My pleasure. Thank you for having me here. Stay tuned to River City 360 throughout the year for more stories connected to Winnipeg's Vital Signs 2017, a program led by the Winnipeg Foundation that measures the vitality of our community through research and surveys. For more information about Vital Signs, visit wpgfdn.org slash vital signs. Thanks, Robert. Coming up after the break, CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation, Rick Frost, is going to be joining us in studio to talk about collaborations between community foundations right here in Manitoba. Plus, we're going to hear the results of the Endow Manitoba Giving Challenge. But first, why not Rhythm Pals with Moody Manitoba Morning right here on River City 360. It's a moody Manitoba morning. Nothing's really happening. It never does. Just got up and waited for the mailman to bring me a letter that never was. I'm not sad or happy, just living day by day. It's a moody Manitoba morning, and I like it that Kind of gentle, lazy prairie town afternoon. The sky is high. I can feel the grass a growing from yesterday's rain. The sun's a glowing, and so am I. Read the afternoon paper to see where the world is at. Sort of leisurely past the evening. It's after nine. Go slowly walking up and down the main street with your special girl. Things are fine. Now it's time to go home. Tomorrow's another day. Another Manitoba morning, and 
and welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you this morning, and we are now joined by Rick Frost. He is the CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation. Rick, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Great to be here. Great to be here. So we've been featuring Endow Manitoba on the show for the past few weeks, and we wanted to talk about the Winnipeg Foundation and its role in relation to the other community foundations in Manitoba and how that all fits in with the Endow Manitoba initiative. Well, in Canada, there's 191 community foundations and 54 of them are in Manitoba, which is sort of a remarkable number when you think about it. And it's very reflective of the generosity of Manitobans and the interest in in the community foundation movement. Winnipeg Foundation is the oldest community foundation in the country. Um, and we're one of the larger ones, for sure. Um, so the opportunity to provide some support to our colleagues who are working in other communities around Manitoba is very important. I believe the economy of Winnipeg and the rest of the province are completely interrelated, and we want to see all the other community foundations flourish right across the province. So we've been providing back-office support, you might call it, some administrative grants, some support to go to conferences, some uh, training opportunities, those kinds of things, to make the smaller community foundations more successful. It's all on a volunteer basis, so we have no responsibility for them. They uh, operate as completely independent organizations, but we are colleagues, and uh, since we have a little more capacity than they do, I think it's appropriate for us to uh, provide them some support. That's one of the great things about the community foundation movement, and even when we attended the Manitoba Community Foundation Regional Meeting, there is very much that sense of working together and everyone pitching in. Nobody's competitive in the community foundation sphere. It's very collaborative and a great kind of environment for people to work together for a common good. That's right. I mean, uh, one of the nice things about it is that people who give to one community you know, they might make a gift to a, to a neighboring community, but it's not very likely. People are sort of looking at their own little town or their own big city in our case and, and saying, you know, is there some way that I can help? This is where I grew up. This is where I make my living, whatever. It's where my family lives, and I, and I want to provide some support generally to the community. So the idea that these organizations are working together seems to me to be a pretty, uh, pretty natural outcome. Um, there's not a sense of, um, of competitiveness, as you say. It's very much a collaborative movement. And with 54 community foundations in Manitoba, and they kind of span everywhere from Northern Foundations in Flinflon and Thompson, and then you've got all the way at the other end, foundations in Altona and Winkler, Morden. What are some of the challenges in networking all of these different community foundations and bringing them together? I think one of the interesting things about Manitoba is that we have a, we do have 54 foundations, and, and so you know, I think about our population, it's a very fragmented movement in some respects, if you're thinking at it from the sort of the challenging side of the, of the way it's organized. Um, if we had one foundation for all of Manitoba outside of Winnipeg, um, it would be a pretty substantial con- uh, foundation in the Canadian context. It would be one of certainly in the top, you know, 12 or 15 foundations if they were all combined. But when you fragment yourself and you um, you spread yourself out so thinly. You have the opportunity to raise money because people are more likely to give to their local community. Uh, but on the other hand, you lose some of the administrative efficiencies of a large organization. And so that balancing act is the big challenge that Manitoba faces. 
We're trying to fill that gap to some extent. The Thomas Sill Foundation has been active um, in that area as well. Um, there's, a number of, uh, there's a number of sort of common interests. Community Foundations of Canada obviously have an interest as well. So I think we have a huge opportunity to build a great community foundation network. But because we are fragmented, there are some special and unique challenges. Recently, you began your 20th year here at the Winnipeg Foundation. Congratulations on Thank that. Thank you. Thank you. I want to ask you, what was the community foundation scene in Manitoba like back when you started? Well, it was very much smaller. I mean, there weren't, there weren't nearly so many. Um, I think Brandon was the second uh, community foundation in Manitoba, and that was back in the 1960s, and Verdon was fairly early on as well. But certainly in the 1990s and the year 2000 on, it really mushroomed. And, you know, we're, I think the only two places that do not have a community foundation that would sort of wouldn't expect it to have one is Churchill and the Paw. Um, other than that, every community in Manitoba pretty much has one now. And so it's really grown. And, it, and, and, and in terms of dollar value, I think on a percentage basis, the rural foundations uh, are growing faster than the Winnipeg Foundation. And I think we're doing really well. So, you know, I think it's a, it's a really inspiring story uh, because of the numbers of organizations. And if you look at, you know, a little community, we'll all be familiar with Morris, for example. It just started a community foundation a couple of years ago. You know, and they're actively engaged and people are trying to build that foundation for the community of Morris. And it's fabulous. We're going to talk about Endow Manitoba after we take a quick musical break. But before we get to that, Rick, is there a particular song or an artist that you'd like to hear? Uh, Let's go with a Canadian. How about Ian Tyson? All right. We're going to play some Ian Tyson for you. And we'll have more with Rick Frost, the CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation, after this. You're listening to River City 360 on 93.7 CJNU. There's this place we're gonna ride Up where the rim rock meets the night We'll go hand in hand Riding through the purple starlight And the coyote on the wind Sends his lonely lover's call We'll hold each other close In the wonder of it all The golden west has come and gone Right before our very eyes But they will never count the stars And they will never fence the skies All I know We're rolling down the Milky Way Into the wonder of it all Life gets harder every day And sometimes it seems the dream almost dies But love will find a way It will show us the way To the canyons of the stars And the endless midnight skies Come on girl, we're gonna ride Where the rim rock meets the night We'll go hand in hand Riding through the purple starlight And the kite 
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with Rick Frost, the CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation. So we were just talking about community foundations in Manitoba and of course the Endow Manitoba 24-hour giving challenge recently took place again this year in November and the results are now in. Can you share with us what the results of the giving challenge were? Well, it was a fabulous year. We had more gifts than we've ever had before in, in the 24 hours. There were 1,100 gifts, which is um, really, really uh, a, a nice number to see, that number of people participating. Last year, Selkirk was at the very top of the list, but this year, in terms of funds raised, Pinawa is at the top of the list. So that's a, an interesting change. I don't know if we're going to have a little bit of a interesting conversation or competitiveness going on in that respect. And uh, the most gifts, the number of, largest number of gifts, were, was really at Beautiful Plains, which is uh, Nipua. So, you know, it's spread out right across the whole province. Everybody's engaged. Everybody's uh, participating. And it's really great to see, uh, see the enthusiasm of uh, community foundation supporters. That's really great. And, of course, people can see the full results in yesterday's Winnipeg Free Press. Right. The full results are there. There's uh, $497,000 raised. In total, the Winnipeg Foundation provides some of that through our matching formula, or our stretch formula, as we call it. Uh, quite a number of foundations maximized that stretch and got $2,000 from us. And if all 54 had maximized it, I guess it would have cost us about $100,000 or more. But we had quite a number of uh, foundations did take advantage of it. And in total, uh, $497,000 was raised for uh, communities across Manitoba, outside of Winnipeg, in that one day. That's really great, and that's going to make a huge impact for years to come. Absolutely. That's the joy of it. So we're coming up to the end of 2016, December, the last month of the year. We're less than a month away from a brand new year. What are a couple of the highlights from the Winnipeg Foundation in the past year? Well, I don't want to steal the thunder from our announcement on January the 5th, because on January the 5th, we're, uh, we, we will be officially sort of announcing our annual report and that sort of thing. And we're just going through the audit process with our board in, in the next week. So those numbers are not official yet, but I can tell you that our grant making is certainly at the highest level that it ever has been. We had a very, uh, very, very good year in terms of investment. Our average return over the last five years is 11% or more. So when you have very strong returns and um, you have very good grant making in terms of the numbers of organizations that you're uh, granting money to, I think you know, it's pretty positive news. Uh, we Very generous gifts this year, um, remarkably generous, the best year we've ever had um, in terms of numbers of gifts and in terms of the value of the gifts, except for that one year, of course, when we had the Moffitt gift, which was $100 million. I don't think we'll ever beat that. But the reality is that um, we had a very good year and very generous people in Manitoba support the work of the foundation. That's great to hear. And 2017, of course, will certainly be a big year in its own right, especially with it being Canada's 150th anniversary and a lot of different charitable organizations are putting together special plans to celebrate that. What's something that we can look forward to from the Winnipeg Foundation in the year ahead? 
Well, you know, I, I agree. It's 150th anniversary for Canada, and we're certainly involved in a number of different things. The Canada Games are coming, for example, and we're a major sponsor of the Canada Games. And there's a special grant-making program at the Foundation for Canada's 150, but I think I have, I'm going to speak about vital signs, if I can, for just a second, because that's going to be a community consultation process where we're going to engage the broad community to talk about the issues facing our city. And the reason I'm very interested in talking about that is that it will affect how we develop our strategic plan looking forward to 2021, which is sort of the horizon of our next planning period. We're in the last year of, a, of our current strategic plan. We're looking at building the next one, and community input through Vital Signs is going to be critical to that. It's a one-year process, basically, where there's opportunities for uh, serving uh, people in the city, uh, seeking opinions through consultations, general meetings, that sort of thing. Um, and in the end of the day, it will shape the priorities that the foundation, the, pro the directions the foundation pursues over the course of the next three or four years. And of course, here on River City 360, every episode we have a story that relates to Vital Signs, our special Vital Signs report. And if you're interested in learning more about Vital Signs, you can visit the Winnipeg Foundation's website. It's wpgfdn.org forward slash Vital Signs, and you can get all that information and look forward to all of the Vital Signs events that are coming up in the year ahead, 2017. Yep, that's a great opportunity for people to participate and shape the priorities of our of our work. That's excellent. Rick, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this morning. Uh, great to be here. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you this morning, and we now have a very special guest joining us in studio. It's Bill Stewart, the, I guess, outgoing general manager of CJNU, our, our uh, partner station here. So uh, thank you for joining us, Bill. Well, thank you. And uh, officially, Friday, December the 2nd, uh, was a big day for CJNU, right. our 10th anniversary. And uh, I've been the manager now for about six years. Mm -hmm. I was the uh, president of the board the first four years and then made some statement about, you know, four years is enough, so uh, I <laughs> yeah. should uh, pass on to somebody else. But they hooked me back in, yeah. and uh, I had a terrific time. The station, though, has grown so much. Absolutely. The idea of it being kind of a volunteer part-time job, that really went out the window about three years For ago. For sure. And went, well coincident pretty well with the time that we moved into the right. studios we have here in the Richardson building mm -hmm. with the uh, wonderful assistance of the Winnipeg Foundation. Right. So I guess my first question is how do you feel? It's 10 well, years of CJNU and how long have you been in the radio business? Well I've been in the radio business actually quite a few years overall but it's like the uh, proverbial donut. I was in uh, radio uh, for about 15, 13 to 15 years, well, depending what you want to count, <laughs> uh, I started actually doing a program called High School News and Views on CJOB. Wow. And in fact, for one year, it was High School News and Views with uh, Bill Stewart and Lloyd Axworthy. That is a complete, that is a complete um, coincidence because our tagline here on River City 360 is views and news from around Winnipeg. Well, that's right. Isn't well, that crazy? We had news and views from the high school scene, and then <laughs> I went on to university, University of Manitoba, so it became University News and Views. Awesome. But... I kept doing more and more in radio, I, 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 and while this was always aired on CJOB, mm -hmm. I actually had a part-time job at CKRC as, a, as an operator Very after cool. hours and whatnot. And uh, that was fun. I loved that. Yeah. And then 
I guess after my second year university, CJOB offered me a, just a fabulous opportunity for the summer, going and interviewing people and creating content. Cool. And I thought this is more than I can pass up, but it was a summer job, except that somehow or another I stayed there five they kept, years. They kept you around. Yeah, and in those days it was probably a little easier to skate by without finishing your university degree. Oh, I wouldn't yeah. recommend that today, right. but... You know, I no, no regrets, and and uh, I went from there uh, to apply uh, for the first FM radio station in Regina. Oh, and uh, you're a trailblazer. Well, <laughs> that's uh, I I had started uh, with OB with CJOB. Uh-huh. Uh, CJOB had actually been broadcasting on FM since the late '40s, oh, wow. but hadn't really done anything with it, and nobody had FM radio. Right. And then uh, started to pick up a little steam in the early 1960s. So one of my jobs at, at CJOB for a couple of years was FM manager. Cool. <clears throat> then I thought, well, you know what? Regina only had the 3 a.m. stations, and maybe we could try there, and we did. And uh, that turned out to be— uh, And the rest is history. Uh, yeah, the yeah, rest history. is history. And, but then I, I got out, in the 70s, I got out of radio just because I got involved in some other things. Okay. And never intended to. Right. And then this opportunity with CJNU, just as I was intending to retire the first time, uh-huh. then CJNU was being organized. So— Perfect opportunity. Well, let's talk about the the or the genesis of CJNU and how that came to be and how things have changed over the past ten years. What was it like launching this station? And uh, is is what you see before you now anything you ever could have imagined ten a decade ago? No, you, we were talking about that uh, earlier. That um, some with with some of my colleagues uh-huh. that uh, we always. Part of our mind, one side of our brain, uh, we acted as if we wanted to build this thing so that it would be permanent and enduring. But I think the other side of our brain, we really didn't believe it could ever happen. Right. But in spite of all that, it did happen. And one way or another, uh, we kept uh, building the station. And we were really fortunate to have just an incredible amount of, uh, or number of talented people mm-hmm. uh, from all walks of life, certainly a number of them with broadcast experience, sure. but a number of them with no ex- experience in broadcasting, teachers, all kinds of professions. And we all came together and uh, found a way to work together. And the station has really built a very firm base in yeah. the Winnipeg market. That's kind of the the charm of the station, I would say, is it's not it's 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 volunteer driven, it's community supported, yep. and it's just kind of a mishmash of all sorts of different personalities. And you know, the on air, off air volunteers are are it's a it's a really good. It, it's a very good. It's a radio version of Winnipeg. It's just everyone coming yeah. together and. You know, I think uh, I think uh, there's a lot in what you say there yeah. that it is a kind of a radio version of Winnipeg, uh, which I think in so many areas, uh, what's what's the phrase about hitting above your weight or right? punching or up, punching, punching up, yeah. beyond your weight, because we are probably. Uh, if not, the largest community station of this kind yeah, in Canada, organized sure. in this way. And well, 1,200 uh, members and like over $35,000 raised this year? Like that is well, incredible yes, our, our third annual pledge weekend, you know, it's only four days. And uh, we not only did we 
have a huge increase in the amount of money pledged, but we effectively doubled the number of people who had pledged over last That's year. incredible. And that was a big increase over the first year. Right. So, so uh, exponential are, growth at CJ. There's a lot of people who uh, listen to the station and support it in, in, in many different ways. For sure. And I'll tell you, that's what makes it all worthwhile. Well, last question before we let you get going here. What's next? Well, I'm... Uh, you know, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. I'm, I'm a lifelong Winnipegger, except for my years in Regina, six or seven years in Regina. And uh, I have uh, have roots. I'm really blessed by the fact that, unlike so many of my friends, my family is all here. Perfect. Both our daughters are here and their families. And uh, my uh, sister, uh, I only have uh, one sibling, and my sister and uh, her husband and their family, they're here. So we're all here in Winnipeg, and uh, I will stay here, and I will continue to volunteer with CJNU. Fantastic. The, the, the nice opportunity I have now is perhaps maybe to pick and choose a little more. Mm-hmm. Not that I didn't like all oh, the sure. things I did as manager, yeah. but I'm very happy to be able to turn over all the managerial managerial responsibilities to Adam Glynn, right who succeeds me. And a very capable guy, by the way. And his uh, he's got a few hours coming up right after River City 360 this morning. So, That's right. Uh, and he's a very capable, very ha- handsome young man and very talented radio broadcaster as well. Yes, indeed. So uh, I guess I just want to say on behalf of our show, thank you for everything you've done for us, teaching us how to use all this equipment, uh, allowing us use in your space, allowing us to kind of hang out with you guys. And uh, I want to wish you the best on behalf of everyone at River City 360. So, Well, thank cheers. you. Thank you very much, Nolan. And uh, it's been a great pleasure to see, radio, uh, to see uh, River City 360 develop half an hour, three quarters of an yeah. hour, now an hour. <laughs> Baby steps, And eh? become a, a very important part of the CJA new schedule well we appreciate that so uh on your way out why don't you leave us with a song what song would you like to hear on uh on the end of our show today well i'm always good for something by the beach boys the beach boys i love it great great stuff all right thank you bill stewart and here's the beach boys on river city 360 surfing is the only life the only way for me now surf surf I got up this morning, turned on my radio I was checking out the surfing scene to see if I would go And when the DJ tells me that the surfing is fine That's when I know my baby and I will have a good time From the early morning to the middle of the night Anytime the surf is up, the time is right And when the surf is down to take its place We'll do the surfer stomp, it's the latest dance craze Surfing is the only life, the only way for me now. Surf, surf with me. Bob, dip, 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 bob, dip, dip. Now the dawn is breaking and we really gotta go. But we'll be back here very soon. That you better know, yeah, I'm a 
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you this morning, and we're now joined in studio by Noah Ehrenberg. He's the convener of Community News Commons. Noah, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for inviting me. So we have you on the show almost every week to give our listeners a glimpse of Winnipeg through a very unique lens, and that's the lens of citizen journalism. And this is kind of a new phenomenon in the world where it's journalists that are regular citizens, exactly what the name entails. So maybe just give us a breakdown of what CNC's mission is and, and sort of what you intend to do with, uh, with, with your citizen journalists. Well, Community News Commons is a citizen journalism project, and what we do is we encourage people, ordinary citizens, to write stories uh, and to do multimedia stories. So this could be an article with photos, video, audio, and to tell these stories that are meaningful to them and uh, to help them publish these stories on communitynewscommons.org, the website of CNC. And, and a strong part of a community is really the ability of people to communicate stories and to be able to uh, come together on a regular basis and um, to discuss uh, things uh, that are meaningful to them. So that's what we do every uh, spring and fall uh, in the form of uh, multimedia workshops. And then I, um, I basically provide editing help for uh, citizen reporters uh, throughout the year. So they can just uh, sign up to the site at uh, cncwpg.org or communitynewscommons.org. It's easy to sign up. You just click on the Become a Citizen Reporter button on the top right-hand corner, and it takes about a minute to register, and then you can start telling stories. And there's many stories that uh, come into uh, CNC every week, and we publish them. I think the most interesting thing about this project in general is that you never know what you're going to get. You know, you can tell stories about... a PTA meeting. You can tell stories about the city hall. You can tell stories about the Jets, concert re- reviews, tickets, any sort of thing. So, uh, exactly. give, give, give me an example of the types of things that people are uh, are posting on CNC this very week. Well, uh, one of the stories that I really enjoyed this week was from Armand Martin, and she's been a citizen reporter uh, with CNC for uh, a couple of years now. And uh, Armand wrote a story about the Rainbow Harmony Project Choir, which is in its 17th year, uh, if you can believe that. Uh, Basically, uh, Rainbow Harmony Project is Winnipeg's uh, LGBT choir. It was first uh, publicized at a table that was set up back in June of 1999 at uh, at the Pride Parade uh, here in Winnipeg. And during those first few years of the um, existence of Rainbow Harmony Project, it was it wasn't really that popular to belong to the choir. And there were certainly no allies, or at least mm-hmm. uh, people who are straight, that had signed up uh, to it. But fast forward 17 years, and you see that uh, a number of the people joining the choir are gay and straight. And, um, you know, this is probably an indication of how society has changed uh, to some extent when right. it comes to this type of thing. Interesting. So what's the story about exactly? Like he just wrote a, a well, review they just for the hired concert? Well, they just hired a new co-director. Okay. And uh, his name is Justin Odbach, and he's an ally. Um, and this is one. Th- this is actually the second time in the history of the choir that they've had a co-director who is not from the LGBT okay, community. So um, Justin is a terrific uh, singer and uh, just um, 
an amazing vocalist. And uh, so he joins uh, Johanna Hildebrandt uh, as co-director of the choir. And so this is a story introducing uh, Justin, um, introducing some other members of the choir, both straight and gay, as well as uh, promoting some of the upcoming concerts they have for the Christmas season. So it's a, it's a great little piece that uh, I think our listeners would be interested in looking at on communitynewscommons.org. Very cool. It really speaks to the uh, how far we've come in abolishing stigmas and and, exactly. and equality when when now it's a story that there are non-LGBT people on the uh, <laughs> on the right. choir you know that's very cool yes very interesting so we're coming up on winter and that means the overnight parking ban and know your zone and the snow zones and I understand that uh, friend of the show uh, Fred Morris wrote an article that kind of deals with the uh, the maybe slightly shysty way that uh, Winnipeg treats its its parking <laughs> it tickets, kindly, eh? to put it kindly. Well, actually, Fred uh, writes a terrific piece this week uh, where he, he basically points out that the city fails to clearly mark their parking signs, mm-hmm. whether it's how far away you can park from a stop sign or uh, when the snow route is uh, in place, uh, what months and what times. Uh, and he's suggesting that these parking sign ambiguities create these parking ticket traps. Uh, right. And he does compare it to uh, other cities where they do clearly mark their stops, uh, their, their parking signs. For example, in Calgary, uh, b- near a stop sign, it'll say no parking within five meters of the stop sign. Very so clear. Very clear. Yeah. You can't park within five meters. Um, and um, Fred starts the story by talking about a ticket that he got because he had parked too close to a stop sign. And then he found out that a number of his neighbors also got the same ticket as well. Uh, same thing goes for snow route. You look at the Winnipeg uh, parking uh, snow route signs, it just says snow route. That's it. What does that mean? Exactly. You look at the Brandon snow route signs, it says no parking, snow route, November 15th to March uh, 31st, 2400 to 8 a.m. Right. So very clearly. You know when you mark- should or shouldn't be there. You don't need an app to download to tell you. <laughs> you don't have to call 311. You don't have a rooster crowing at the crack of dawn to tell you when to move your car. So Fred Morris is throwing down the gauntlet for city for city councillors. If you want to not look like you're just collecting parking ticket cash as mm-hmm. a tax grab, you will do something about those ambiguities. That's how it feels sometimes. And <laughs> I am, I, I'm not going to use, I'm not going to say I'm guilty of it too, because I feel like I've been had just like <laughs> yeah. Fred Morris. So yeah, it's, it's tough to get a parking ticket at the best of times, but then yeah. when it's, if it's not clearly marked, exactly. uh, you know, uh, I think that he has a point. Uh, he writes a great story and he has the pictures to prove it. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure our listeners out there have probably had their fair share of tickets, either justified or non. So go on communitynewscommons.org, read Fred's uh Read Fred's article and maybe even leave a comment about your experience with the Winnipeg Parking Authority and and what you think about it, because that's always a hot topic. So go on cncwpg.org and uh, leave us your thoughts, because I know it's I know there are thoughts out there to be left. Let's yes, say. indeed. So now at the time at the end of our time together, uh, we've asked you for the past uh, couple months to bring us a local song. So something that maybe our listeners haven't heard, but is definitely worth their time. So what have you got for us this week? Well, because we've got Christmas coming up uh, I thought we would do something in the Christmas spirit. Perfect. And um, there is plenty of homegrown holiday music out there. Uh, the one that I'd like to play uh, today it comes from Don Amaro, uh, who has a album, a Christmas album called Amaro Little Christmas. And um, Don is going to be 
playing at the Western Cultural Center on December the 10th. So if you get a chance, go out and see him then. He's also on stage on December the 5th at uh, Fools and Horses with Isla Barker. And it's an intimate concert to raise money for the Standing Rock uh, Winter Camp. Oh, cool. Yeah, so if you get a chance, um, you know, go out and see um, go out and see uh, Don Romero uh, on those dates as well. So to get us into the holiday spirit, here's a tune from Don Romero from his album, Amero Little Christmas. Uh, with the tune, Don't Let Christmas Pass You By. I'm Noah Ehrenberg, and you're listening to River City 360 with Nolan Bicknell and Robert Zirk on 93.7 CJNU. Gathered round the tree, Dad's dressed in red. He wasn't fooling me with that thick beard he had. I knew he wasn't Santa, but he sure could play the part. Take our time, each gift we had One by one, would drive me mad As I look back now, those memories are gold I wanna go back to those days Stop time, replay just one more night That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for listening, and a huge thank you to all of our guests that talked to us today. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes, or subscribe to our podcast, please visit us online. The address is rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. Give us a call. We would love to hear from you. Our number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. Again, that's 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook by searching at RiverCity360 on Twitter and RiverCity360 on Facebook as well. I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great Sunday. Said he was gone, my heart sank. Put a brave face on, I knew this day was coming. But nothing could prepare, as Christmas was the last one. With my friend.